Ooh, I have tried to record this part at least a dozen times, so we're just going to push through. I'm going to start by saying that I'm including a GoFundMe in the episode description on this episode, and I'm going to keep including it. A dear friend of mine was diagnosed with lung cancer, and she's fighting as hard as she can. She's exhausted, I'm sure. She's in home in hospice care. Her name's Lala, and she just captured my heart many months ago when I met her. And she doesn't want to be cremated. And that was one of the last conversations that I was actually able to have with her because she can't really talk on the phone. So she has created this GoFundMe for a proper burial. The state where she lives will not help with that they will only help with a cremation and she really doesn't want that so I cannot take her pain away but what I can do is share this GoFundMe and ask that if you are able to if you can donate and if not that's fine if you could at least just share it with someone that you think might be able to and Lala I'm gonna dedicate this episode to you it's about my depression, which I feel terrible talking about because I can't imagine how you feel. And I'm sorry that this is happening to you and it's not fair, but I hope that you are able to find peace in knowing that you have an army behind you. Everybody asks about you almost every day and we all love you. And not a second goes by that you're not on my mind. So stay strong. And when you are too weak, we will carry you. So over the past few months, I have had some pretty severe depression. And it wasn't really something that was easy for me to talk about. I have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease, which causes hypothyroidism, which essentially is an inactive or underactive thyroid. But I also have Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune disorder as well and causes hyperthyroidism, which is an overactive thyroid. So, as you can imagine, my thyroid is pretty confused. It kind of makes my body do pretty strange things. I could be completely freezing one minute, and the next I'm having a hot flash. I literally, right now, am just so hot. And in about ten minutes, I'm going to have to pause this and go grab a blanket because I'll be freezing, trust me. I never really realized how much of an impact the thyroid has on your body. And once I did get my diagnosis a few years ago, it was hard to get the right dosage of medicine. And I actually did not find out until about a year after the hypothyroidism diagnosis that I had both Graves and Hashimoto's. At this point, two years ago, I was taken a T4 thyroid hormone replacement that 
I actually was getting entirely too much of the T4 hormone. Because I was in a Graves flare, my body was producing entirely too much, and then I was on a very high dosage of this medication. So as you can imagine, I was experiencing some pretty crazy symptoms. My hair started falling out at unbelievable rates. I mean, I kid you not, if it was cold enough in my apartment that you could see your breath, I was still too hot. There were times throughout the winter where it was negative degrees out and I would be comfortable just outside in a t-shirt. Me and my family had gone to a football game and everybody there was all bundled up with hats. I think it was like freezing rain. It was definitely like under 32 degrees and I had a t-shirt on, which of course I couldn't just stay that way for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty comfortable just to sit in freezing rain in a t-shirt. I had what they call goiter. It's where your thyroid is swollen and it is extremely uncomfortable. And I basically felt like I had strep throat nonstop. My voice was very scratchy because my thyroid was so swollen that it pressed on my vocal cords. And God, I just had this constantly scratchy, sore throat. Eventually, my doctor finally did the right thing and sent me to see an endocrinologist. And the endocrinologist was able to test my antibodies and diagnose me with both diseases. But when, like... She told me that I needed to come off my medication. I had been so convinced by the previous doctor that clearly did not know what she was doing that I actually was terrified because I didn't want to come off of the medication. I thought that I needed to increase it instead because when I was first diagnosed, my levels were testing in the hypo area. And I started to feel human. It was so strange. I felt hungry. I hadn't felt hungry in years. So after being told that I was hypothyroid and I needed this medication to make myself feel better and all these symptoms were just because I wasn't on the right dosage, it was kind of hard to just stop all the medication. But of course, I trusted this doctor. She did a lot of blood work and figured everything out. So I did what she suggested and I came off the meds. And it was four or five months before my levels actually started to normalize. And it was looking like I could actually be going into remission, which happens with some autoimmune disorders. It's just basically where your antibodies kind of slow down and your immune system doesn't really attack you anymore. Around the 4th of July, I had started to experience symptoms of the hypothyroidism. I don't know what it is, but I think it's maybe the sulfur or the smoke from the fireworks, but it seems to happen every single 4th of July. I didn't notice all of them. I was still like pretty new to the diagnosis and I was basically just Google doctoring it at this point to find out symptoms. 
I'd entered a support group on Facebook, which has been a godsend. But in the end, the blood work showed that my Hashimoto's antibodies were flaring, which was causing the symptoms. So I had to go back on my medication. It has been a crazy ride. March of this year, I was getting tested. My normal tests that I have to get every, you know, six weeks to three months. And I tested too hyper. And my doctor wanted to take me off of my meds again. But I didn't want to because I was still feeling very hypo. And I wasn't that hyper where it was at a dangerous level like I had the time before. So I asked her if I could stay on it for just a few weeks and if we could retest my levels, which she agreed to and said that it was perfectly fine to do it. When you have thyroid disease, like you are constantly getting your levels checked. Literally, the phlebotomist at the lab, she knows exactly which veins on me to use that are going to be good sticks. That's how often I'm at the lab, getting lab work done. They know me, they know my family, they even know my cat's names. So I get the blood work done, and it was six weeks, and this was just about a month ago. I tested hypo, uh, actually, and now I needed a med increase. This is like the craziness that is my thyroid. One time I'm testing entirely too hypo and I need medication, but another time I'm testing too hyper and I need to come off. So basically a huge part in the determination of my treatment is going off my symptoms. And that's what makes everything so complicated. The reason that I'm bringing all of this up is because I had found out that two major symptoms of Hashimoto's and Graves are depression and anxiety. Depression is a symptom of Hashimoto's and anxiety is a symptom of Graves disease. So sometimes when I feel anxious, it's because of my Graves. And I don't always know exactly if it is my Graves disease that's acting up because ultimately the only way to know is to do blood work. So when I went into my current Hashimoto's flare, and I really think that I was in it for quite some time because there are a lot of factors which causes your TSH to be lower than it actually is. So your TSH is your thyroid stimulating hormone. And it comes from your adrenal gland. And when your thyroid is not working, your TSH would be increased because your adrenal gland is kind of like, hey, thyroid, you're not working, step your game up. So the TSH is kind of like a signal to it. And if your TSH is too low, your adrenal gland is essentially saying, hey, buddy, need to calm down. You're giving out way too much. So when you're dealing with the treatment, you have to go not just by your TSH, but all of your hormonal levels as well. And in my case, you have to go by the antibodies because the fact that I have both diseases simultaneously, my levels are constantly all out of whack. So like I said, a good portion of my treatment goes off my symptoms. 
when I started to get depressed, there were a lot of signs that I had ignored. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that is because I could explain away a lot of the symptoms. I wasn't watching TV shows that I used to watch, and I used to watch a lot, but I told myself it's because they brought way too many politics and, you know, other things that are happening in the current life that it really wasn't an escape anymore. I felt like I was just watching the news. And I lost interest because, you know, everything that was in these shows I was constantly seeing all over social media anyways, and it was what everybody was talking about. I was taking a lot more naps during the day, but that, again, is something that comes with Hashimoto, so that would explain that. I wasn't really talking to my friends anymore, but my sleep schedule was all messed up because I was up late working, so I slept a lot during the day, so that kind of explained that. I didn't really leave my house much, but I mean, come on, guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of people are staying home for obvious reasons. Summertime, I never really go out a lot because of my multiple sclerosis, which is made so much worse in the heat. So I had a lot of symptoms of depression, but it was just so easy to ignore them. And when I started sitting here and thinking about what I had spoke about in my last episode and where I started questioning what my life would be like if all the trauma did not happen. Would I have really been weaker or would my life have just been so much better? I started to think that maybe there was something deeper happening because that was something I had never done before. I mean, I was losing myself and I know a great deal of that was because I had now created this entire identity as Kelly, the survivor of familia sex trafficking. So losing myself was obviously surrounded by that, in my mind, at least. And while I was working with my therapist, I wasn't really talking about a lot of things that I probably should have been talking about because while the depression was getting worse, I was not able to see the signs. I lost interest in a lot of things, and essentially, I finally just started laying in bed all day. I didn't really want to go out. Sometimes I didn't even feel like getting up to take a shower. Just the thought of getting up and doing everything that a shower involves just seemed so exhausting. And there were so many other things that I was noticing where my habits of my daily life were changing. So I finally did start to talk to my therapist and that's when the whole depression thing emerged i'm glad that i eventually did talk to him about it before it got way too serious but it is something that i'm working on and i do feel a lot better now but when there's all this stress in the entire world right now how are you supposed to know that the stress that you're feeling is different from other people's I mean, everyone has a certain level of anxiety right now because of everything that's going on. So, I mean, exactly how are you supposed to sit here and determine that your anxiety is different from the situational anxiety that most people are experiencing? And I felt the same way about the depression. I assumed that my symptoms were situational, but in reality, it was the depression that was. And it didn't make it less important. It didn't make it something that I should not talk about. 
and that I should not get treatment for. But it was like, I had to be this amazing, strong person. And I felt like if I admitted that I was getting depressed, that somehow that made me weak. So it was hard to actually come out and talk with people about it. I actually found it difficult to even talk with my own husband because he is already helping out so much because of my limited mobility because of the multiple sclerosis that I really didn't want to put any more stress on him. He pretty much has to pick up all the slack with a lot of things already. So I was just in this crazy situation where I needed something, but I also didn't want to be a burden. But the feeling of not wanting to be a burden, I found out, is actually part of my depression as well. I felt like since I had spent all this time making my videos and my episodes showing how strong of a person was that if for one second I mentioned that I was feeling depressed, that it would just totally derail everything I was trying to do because people would look at me and say, well, look, here's this survivor and she's depressed, so there's no hope. So I felt like I was kind of trapped between a rock and a hard place because I wanted to talk about it and I wanted to feel the depression, but I also wanted it to go away and keep it as quiet as possible. Like I really felt like I was trying to wish it away. And that was just a little bit of what I meant when I said that I became my podcast. Here I was experiencing all these symptoms that nobody in the world would see except for the people that I live with and I cared that I was having these feelings because I didn't want the world to find out. It took some time to figure out that the only way the world would find out is if I talked about it. And it took a good friend to tell me that people actually need to hear this. They need to know that survivors have bad days, bad months, and even bad years. But it doesn't make me less of a survivor. And it doesn't make me weak. I feel like it actually shows strength to talk about these things. And I realized that she was absolutely right. Yes, I have an absolutely amazing life that I love. But there are times where I am very sad. There are times where I just don't want to get out of bed. There are times where I wish that I had parents that loved me. There are times where I am ready to face not only my demons, but everybody else's as well. I think one of the most difficult things was it felt like I was going up and down so much, but the reality was it was this thyroid that was causing all of that. So it makes it all that much harder to figure it out on your own. When I first had escaped, I had gone inpatient for a few weeks because I knew that I was having issues and I knew that I needed help. And that time, it was so easy for me to sign myself into a facility that would help me. But I feel like now I'm one month shy from my 12-year anniversary of my escape, and I'm still feeling like that at times. So if I reach out for help, maybe it shows that I haven't really improved or even survived. It made me feel like I was still a victim in a sense. But of course, it's not true. 
I am still a survivor. I'm still me. I'm still all the things that I have always been. And maybe the depression was just from the Hashimoto's and maybe it was something a little bit deeper that was causing it. I did speak in my last episode about the pressure that I was feeling that could have been from the depression or the depression could have been from me putting that pressure on myself. So I had to sit here and actually try to figure out why I was feeling so sad, why I wasn't wanting to do anything or get out of bed. Was it really all the things that could explain it away or was it something different? I don't know how I actually was able to do it other than leaning on my husband and my friends. And I'm so grateful that they were there for me. And I'm not saying that I dump every single problem all over them. But while I was going through this, I was keeping a lot of things to myself. And they were still noticing. And they were the ones that were bringing it up to me. My husband was attempting to cheer me up. He bought me two amazing turtles, one of which passed away yesterday. Um, But he did that hoping that it would help make me happy and give me something to do inside of the home and it turned out that in the end he was the one that was spending more time researching how to take care of a turtle than I was just to give a little bit of a backstory about this we had gotten chickens when we first got married and all I did was research and I raised them from hatchlings to very large hens. I learned how to deal with the eggs, what was the best thing to feed them for the best tasting eggs, how big the coop had to be. Like, it just turned into this huge hobby for me. And I really think that was what was behind him getting me the turtles because he thought that, you know, if I had a hobby, that it would give me something to look forward to. I had already stopped my podcast and I had lost everything at this point. And I had worked so hard on all of it. So I think he just wanted me to snap out of it. But once he started to notice that it wasn't doing what he thought it was going to is when he brought up to me that he thought that I might be getting depressed. And I very much agreed with him on that. It's hard when you have a disease where depression is a symptom to actually notice the signs And in the middle of a global pandemic, when the world is just upside down, it makes it all that much harder. But because of my friends and my wonderful husband, I did start to see things that were actually going on. So here I am today, having spent weeks dealing with this crippling depression. I'm now feeling like I'm starting to make my way out of it. So now I feel like I'm at the point where I want to start talking about it publicly And I know that I kind of babbled a lot for a little bit here, but I wanted to explain everything because there were so many factors and I wanted to make sure that people got maybe just a little bit of the same sense of mind that I had over the past couple of years. So around this time last year, a lot of sex trafficking survivors started speaking about their stories on social media. There was a lot of conspiracy theories that was going around, and I think a lot of people felt the same way that I did. We were watching people talk about our trauma, 
but they weren't actually talking about it. They were talking about something else that this world created it to be. And I don't know, and I don't know about how it was for other people, but for me, I felt like I was that little girl that I was my whole life. And I was standing in the middle of a crowded room screaming at the top of my lungs, but nobody wanted to listen. And I can remember the very first video that I did, and I didn't even really share my story. I just made a simple statement that Wayfair was not selling children. And I got attacked for saying that. And I think that was when I finally was like, yeah, I might need to share my story. Because if they hear mine, then maybe they will understand better. So I made my first video sharing my story. And I actually did not even talk into that one. I had this music playing in the background. And I had put up these captions that were just flashing on the screen and shared just little parts of it. And there was this comment that seemed kind of nasty, but it did get me to wake up in a sense. The person said, you know, what are you doing? You're just making a video with sad music. That's not going to do anything. Something like that. I don't really remember verbatim what the person had said. But that's when I started to do videos with some voiceovers because it was just a little bit easier for me to do it that way at this point. And I noticed that people were paying attention, but it wasn't until I just sat down and I looked at the camera and I just started talking that people really started to notice. And even back then, my videos were so dark because I was so scared to have my face be shown. I was terrified that someone was going to recognize me. Whether it was my traffickers or a former client, it didn't matter. I was convinced that I was going to get recognized, and it terrified me. But I still wanted to get the story out there, so I just did it in the dark. And I got a lot of people that started following me and were giving me so much love and support, and all of them were begging me to make my videos brighter because... They wanted my story to get on the For You page, but the For You page's algorithm liked very bright videos. And I took time to myself until I was finally okay. I need to do this. I need to make it a little bit brighter, and I need to do things differently. So I played around with a bunch of different things, and I felt that the best response that I got was when I just sat and talked. It was not scripted out. It wasn't this big thing with music and captions. It was just me looking at my camera and telling about the different things that happened to me. Just 60 seconds of me. And I watched my account grow from zero to over 21,000 followers in just a couple of months. There were things that happened and I needed to create a new account and I watched that one grow to over 15,000 in just a couple of weeks. And it was amazing to see the response that I was getting because people were listening to me and they were talking and they were reaching out and all of this stuff. But the biggest issue was I started to worry more about was I putting out enough videos every day? Was I sharing details that people wanted? Was I doing enough for other people to keep them happy? 
And that's where I began to lose myself because now I was identifying myself as the sex trafficking survivor, sharing her story on TikTok, trying to save the world. And on the new account, I started doing lives almost every single night. And sometimes they were five hours long. I would hop on around 10 o'clock at night. And sometimes I wouldn't get off until the early hours of the morning. I think there was one week that I actually did more hours on these lives than my husband did at work. And as you can imagine, it was just completely exhausting. But I was so scared to stop because this is who I was now. And I then decided to do the podcast. A lot of people asked me to, but the more I looked into it, the more I realized that I really thought it was a good fit for me. But it meant that I was going to have to stop going live. And the amount of videos that I was going to put out every day was going to dramatically drop because I would be working on my podcast. To be honest, when I first started, I really did not realize how much work it was going to be. I had done a few episodes, but when I listened to it, I was like, ugh, yeah, no, this just sounds so amateur. Every other word was like, I said, um, a lot. So I knew that with the sensitivity of the content, that it was something that I did need to script out. So I would do that with each and every episode, each and every week. I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday, I would sit down and start writing out that week's episode. And I actually had already scheduled out which topic I was going to talk about each episode in the very beginning. So that did kind of help make it a little bit easier because before I even published my first episode, I knew what the entire season was going to be about. And the three episodes that I had recorded, yeah, I scrapped those because they just, they weren't me. I soon realized that a 30 minute episode is a huge difference between a 60 second video so down the path I went to making this podcast and it was work but I did love it in the beginning people were asking me a lot why I wasn't going live anymore and I had to tell them it was the podcast either I would do my lives or do the podcast I just did not have enough time in the day to do both. And I mean, right now I'm writing this script that I'm not even going to record for a few days and it's two o'clock in the morning. And most nights back then I was up all night writing out these scripts and editing them. I waited until my family was asleep so I could record with it just quiet except for occasionally when my cat would jump on my computer and scare the crap out of me. But for the most part, it was quieter at night. So that was when I did all my work. And I don't think that any of this actually played a part in the depression, but it did help to mask the symptoms and make it so I couldn't actually recognize them as easily. I was tired all of the time, but I was also up all night working. I wasn't doing the things that I loved, but I was also working all the time. I began to get a little frustrated with my husband. I was homeschooling my son and caring for him while my husband was at work, but I still didn't feel like I really had time to myself unless my family was either asleep or not home. And then it was just one thing after the other after the other, and eventually... 
I was like, okay, there is something going on here because it's been a year and the excuses are starting to run out. So I sat down and I really thought about a lot of things. I had long conversations with my husband, talked with my advocate and my therapist and realized, yeah, I was depressed. And it was something that I needed to talk about with my therapist and work through. The only other time that I had ever felt like this was while I was being sex trafficked. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons why I felt like if I talked about it and admitted it out loud, that it meant I was back to being a victim. But the difference was this time I was choosing to talk about it because I want people to know that, yes, you can be a survivor, but you don't have to sit here and be happy-go-lucky 24-7 and just be the strong person all the time. You get to be weak and you get to be sad. Nobody gets through this life without feeling those things at some point. And just because I had this online presence of being the strong person that was able to escape and I was my own hero that saved myself, it didn't mean that I always had to be that strong woman. And just because I was having these feelings, it didn't mean that any of that wasn't true either. You can be a strong person and still be depressed. In fact, in my opinion, when you actually admit to yourself and others and seek out help, that shows you are strong. When I was going to the support groups right before my escape, I had always said to the other women there that I did not think leaving is what showed how strong you were. I thought that the fact that you stayed and were able to survive showed a lot of that strength because it was hard to get through those days back then when I was still in the thick of it. Now, mind you, I thought at that point that it was just domestic violence and abuse but I don't think it really made a difference. I always said to myself that living in that type of situation took a lot more strength than it did to walk away. But now that I'm on the other side and I'm living this life where I'm free of all of that, I'm starting to see that strength is a fluid thing. I wasn't stronger when I stayed because I was surviving all of the terrible things that was happening to me. I'm no stronger now just because I eventually did escape. I'm just a strong person. And my past helped me with that strength, but it did not give me that strength. I started recently to realize that it was there all the time. And it had to have been because I would not be here today if it was not. But I am here and I am Kelly. And I am a survivor of sex trafficking and domestic violence. And I get depressed and I get anxious. And there are times where I feel completely frozen and cannot even move. And there are some times where the panic attacks and flashbacks are completely debilitating. But it is me. All of that is me. And it is okay that I feel sad sometimes. And it is okay that I feel anxious sometimes. But each and every part of that makes up a piece of who I am. And if my agoraphobia gets the best of me tomorrow, and I can't even leave my room because all the coping techniques that I try aren't working, and the furthest that I can get out of my room is just the hallway, then that is a huge accomplishment. And if it does not bother me at all, that's also a huge accomplishment. 
And if I wake up feeling depressed tomorrow and I do not want to get out of bed and the only thing that I get accomplished is to get up and brush my teeth and take a shower, then so be it. But if I get up and go food shopping with my family and do family movie night with our huge projector that we have in our living room, then that's just as much of an accomplishment as anything else. I feel like we have to take the good with the bad and the big with the small. And we have to stop trying to fit in this bubble that maybe society wants us to be or maybe we feel like society wants us to be in it. That we have to take every accomplishment, whether it is huge or very tiny, with the same amount of celebration. And we have to start realizing that if people look at us as we're weak because we feel depressed when we talk about it, then they really do not matter. Because as a survivor, I go through enough. I do not need shame from other people. And the ones that matter will never make me feel that shame. This life is so precious because I only got one. And yes, maybe my life would have been a lot different. And right now I would be happier if the trauma had never happened. Maybe I would be a huge CEO of a company or a world-renowned psychologist. Or maybe I would have been a hairdresser to the stars. Well, actually, if we're going to be talking about what I really wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be the barber for football teams in the NFL. But maybe without all the trauma, one of those things would have happened. And I can sit here and I am allowed to fantasize about what my life would have been without it. And it does not mean that I do not love the life that I have. And it does not mean that the strengths kind of disappear And it definitely does not mean that I am not who I am for doing that. Because my life is the way that it was supposed to be. And everything happens for a reason. And I know things that I went through were horrifying. But I do believe that me talking about it can bring a lot of change. Like I spoke about before, I did get a lot of messages where people were saying that they were noticing things that they had never noticed before. And though that seems like a very small change in this world, it's actually very huge. And the only reason that some of those people were able to notice those things was because I had gone through them and I was able to talk about it. So they knew that those things existed. Seven years That is the average life expectancy of a sex trafficking victim. I survived 26. And there's no other reason why that I can think of than to be able to be someone who can try and bring change that needs to come. Because right now, people have this idea in their minds of what they think sex trafficking is. But nobody knows what happens behind closed doors unless there's somebody that lives to tell it. And if I survived when so many did not, I want to tell. And while I no longer feel like my entire identity is my podcast, I still feel like I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to tell my story and I'm not going to care what anyone thinks about it. And I'm just going to be me because I am a strong woman that doesn't give a damn about what other people think about me. I have always been that way. And I am always going to be that way. My identity is not being a sex trafficking survivor. My identity is being a survivor. So if you are sitting here and you are listening and feeling depressed 
and feeling like you're all alone and no one would understand you are not alone. Even the strongest people in the world feel the same way that you do. And there is a lot of help out there. And do not feel ashamed to reach out and ask for it because it does take a strong person to do that. And if you stay at home and keep it to yourself for a little while, that doesn't make you weak either. Choices. Everyone has choices. And it is your strength that allows you to make the best choice for you. Because in the end, that is all that matter. Taking the break that I did is what I needed to do for me. And I feel like that I have come back so much better and stronger and way more clear-headed. And I realized a lot of things that my first season was lacking. I wanted it to be different than other podcasts about sex trafficking. I wanted it to be more personal and I felt like the only way to do that was to just tell my story like I was on TikTok. But I soon realized that that wasn't what got people's attention. It was me that did. Me just being me. And yes, I tell my story, but I do it in a way that I do it. And I also talk about other topics that other people do not really know a lot of things about or maybe are afraid to talk about. There was a time in my life where I was not allowed to have friends and I was not allowed to talk to anyone. And I wasn't even allowed to leave my room because I was locked in day after day after day. And that is a loneliness that I hope nobody ever has to feel. But I imagine a lot of people do. And that is why I made this episode. That is why I'm coming out and I'm talking about these feelings and these struggles. Because I don't want anyone sitting in their room all by themselves feeling that type of loneliness. And the only way that I can think of describe it is you just feel frozen. Like the rest of the world is going on as fast as can be. And you are just standing alone while everything is just moving around you. So hang in there, anybody that is listening to this that completely understands what I am talking about. Because you can pull yourself out of it. And I've pulled myself out of it. And I know other people who have. Just reach out for help. You can email me. You can call the crisis hotline, which I'm going to include in the description of this episode. Reach out, find a therapist, do whatever you have to do to make yourself feel better. And if all you do today is get up and brush your teeth, I am proud of you. And you should be too. And it does not matter if you are 40 years old or 14 years old. We are all in this thing called life. And it has ups and it has downs. It has heartaches and has some of the happiest moments. And we can make it through all of those things. But as lonely as we feel, we always have to constantly remind ourselves that we actually are not alone because there is always someone out there that is feeling the exact same way. So please, I beg anyone, reach out for help. I was lucky to have the friends that I do and the most amazing husband to tell me that I needed to do something because what I was doing was not working. And I know some people don't have that. And that does not make you less of a person. And it definitely does not say anything about you. 
but I just want to be the one to tell you to get up and go take that shower. Make that call because you do not have to be alone and you do not have to feel this way. If we want to end sex trafficking, it can't just be that it has to be ending all of it. We have got to talk about mental health. We have got to talk about daily struggles of people that have not gone through trauma because they matter just as much. We have got to start to have an open dialogue about everything. So if you do not know how to bring this up with your children because you think they may be depressed or you do not know how to bring it up with your parents or your partner because you are depressed, maybe we need to come up with a system that helps to create that dialogue to talk about these things. That all comes with awareness because while sex trafficking survivors deal with that, so do a lot of other people too. And we can't just focus on what topic is trendy. So again, thank you for listening tonight and sitting through an exceptionally long episode. I did not think it was going to be this long when I started it. But I just want to end by saying that it is okay to not always feel the strength. It does not mean that it went away. It just means that there are other things that your mind is telling you that you need to focus on. Through all these months of deep depression, I thought that my strength was fading away, but the reality was my mind was just telling me that there were other things that I needed to focus on. So again, I just want to give one more shout out to Lala and tell you how much I love and adore you and let you know that you are always on my mind and I will always be right here fighting with you. So stay strong. Because you're not in this life alone.